Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Spartan Spotlight. I'm Justin Bend. I'm here with my co-host Corey Robinson. Fun weekend. Corey, how you doing today? Good. Uh, a little tired from covering all the action, but but that's why I think what we both love about doing this yep. is to have the crazy weekends like this that get the adrenaline going and make sure you're on top of your game. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This is this is what it's all about. And um, so it's been a while since we've done an episode. Uh, not too much has happened uh, just because it's the month of January and Michigan State isn't really after too many 2022 recruits uh, or actually not after any of them. Um, so really the only only big piece of news that's happened uh, in January is the hiring of Brandon Jordan. And uh, this is something that uh, I know we've covered um, at great lengths on on the Spartan tailgate message boards and with our articles and things of that nature. But this is really our first chance to talk about that hire here uh, on our podcast. So I know we both uh, share the same level of optimism here. Um, and I know we both pointed that out well before we started to see this actual progress of kids visiting because of him and just something we saw based on his background. So I'll let you just give your thoughts first, and then I'm sure I won't have much to add, but I'll just fill in some stuff after that. Uh, for me, it's always been since they, I guess, since the news that it was possible, like I think we both talked about how we both viewed it favorably the same. Uh, I've put publicly stated a few times that I think this is the best assistant coach hire that Michigan State has made, uh, at least in my time of covering them, just because uh, there's a lot of good hires that Michigan State's made, and there's a lot of good hires that people make across the country, but there's not a lot of hires that elevate your program uh, in the way that Brandon Jordan will at Michigan State, and just how he elevates the level of recruit that Michigan State is not only going to be in on, but the type of guys that they are going to land with those high four-star difference makers just because they want to be coached by the best. And a lot of people feel that Brandon Jordan is one of the best out there, including, I mean, you just look at his NFL clientele, where it's 195 guys on the active roster, Max Crosby, Van, or Von Miller, they just the list goes on. He made Rashawn Gary uh, kind of a resurrected his career uh, teaching him. So uh, you see that where a guy like Jaden Wayne, a five-star out of Washington defensive end, he was getting ready to train with Jordan before he got hired by Michigan State. Michigan State offers him late last week and he takes his top 10 that he was get planning on uh, dropping and turn it into a top 11 to include Michigan State, who will be a factor for him. Uh, and you look at his offer list, the schools that had been in it, on a, in, a, in it with him for a long time that he cut out, like Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Notre Dame, a bunch of other Midwest powers. But for Michigan State to jump in in the 11th hour with an offer, uh, and make your top list and actually be a team that's going to be a team to beat in this recruitment kind of shows you as well as anything just how impactful of a hire Jordan is. And then if we look at the weekend visitor list, uh, he's kind of taken over right now for all of the defensive line recruits that Michigan State wants uh, until they name another defensive line coach to replace uh, Coach Burton. 
so you look at the the offer that or the visit list this week it was a uh, Cameron Lenhart four star from IMG Academy uh Caleb Herring a four star from Tennessee and then the two in my opinion the two big dogs that are a different level of four star is Enau Etta out of Texas uh he had contact with Michigan State with Burton and all of that had but Burton didn't necessarily do a good enough job there on getting him back, getting back to him about visits, where Brandon Jordan stepped in immediately, got him up here on campus. And now he uh, stated to our Steve Wilt Fung that Michigan State's a top five team for him. Uh, the Midwest is kind of an area he's good with playing in. He likes the cold, he told Wilt Fung. Uh, and then Andrew, De- I'm going to probably say his last name wrong, the De- Pepe from Iowa four-star, as soon as Michigan State made that hire, his level of interest in Michigan State went way up, and Michigan State's trending in a a very positive direction for him now. Yeah, and I don't know if it was just um, maybe Burton thinking that maybe Michigan State didn't have a shot with some of these guys or what the deal was, but a lot of these guys had Michigan State offers, but Michigan State just wasn't really going after them that much. So um, it's not like uh, Jordan had to like come in and um, suddenly like tell these kids about who Michigan state is. He just had to come in and kind of light the fire and be like, you should come here because of me. So yeah, like a lot of these kids had Michigan state offers, but Michigan state just wasn't going after them very hard. And Jordan made sure to change that immediately and his own um, kind of recruiting uh, catch that he has is like uh just already making a huge impact, like you were saying when you were going through the visitor list, but just backtracking a little bit and and filling in my thoughts on Jordan. I think when you can get people that are NFL all pros uh, that would kind of assume that they know all there is to know about uh, their craft and and pass rushing to give uh, money and time to Brandon Jordan to elevate their game and to give them uh, a newer more refined skill set that really says all you need to know about is coaching. Like it's one thing for elite 2023 and 2024 kids to go to Brandon Jordan, like they are, but to have guys like uh, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and these guys of that caliber and Von Miller and so forth to then be like, I think Brandon Jordan can teach me something new that I don't already know. And then um, like you've seen in Max Crosby and Rashawn Gary's cases specifically, um, as a result, take their game to a whole nother level. So I'm just very excited about uh, what this could mean um, in terms of bringing in a unique um, perspective to recruiting as a whole. Uh, when you have guys that are in the NFL coming in and training on a college campus with a guy like Brandon Jordan, and um, it's it's cutting edge in that regard because it'll brand uh, J- Coach Jordan's um, like his own like client list to show recruits. Uh, it'll brand Michigan state. And at the same time, it'll just be something he can keep adding to his resume, another client here and there. And he gets to supplement his income on the side and he is able to help Michigan state brand. And he's able to help land recruits. I think it's just a very, very unique multi-pronged like advantage that Michigan state is getting out of this hire and uh, yeah, I, I'm just excited to see how it plays out and, and to see if both of us are right with our um, off the charts um, kind of excitement for this hire. 
So yeah, uh, transitioning back to the weekend a little bit. Yeah, a lot of the visitors here uh, in, in East Lansing were a result of Coach Jordan's hire and a lot of these out-of-state four-star defensive linemen. Um, the, the two I would highlight are the same two you said, and Enow and Andrew. Uh, it seems like those two guys are, are a little bit of uh, of a different breed. I know guys like Cam Lenhart uh, might might not fit the mold of the typical like six five defensive end, and we'll see what kind of happens there. But still, high, highly rated kids that um, are not just typically flocking to East Lansing all the time, um, and especially not in a case where they might not even be the two most sought after kind of guys uh, on the visit list, like uh, how Andrew and Eno are, and maybe Cam and some of these guys are not, but. Yeah, at the end of the day, um, it was it was a good weekend, even just uh, to be there to cover it um, and and kind of take in the game itself. Um, I know it was an environment that I haven't seen in a while. Um, I want to say that that second half was the single loudest half I've seen in my five years or so of going to the Breslin. Um, there have been games as a whole. Uh, I want to say the the Purdue uh, game where Miles Bridges hit the game winner or the senior night game uh, against Ohio state where Michigan state uh, three-peated for the big 10 um, cash is beating Michigan uh, that one year at home. So there have been games as a whole that might have been uh, a louder, but a 20 minute span like that second half, not many come to mind. So it was great. The recruits got to take in that environment and uh, it was a, it was a great win for Michigan state fans uh, on the court itself. And uh, that was just part of what's on the visit itinerary for these guys, though. These kids get to go uh, get uh, a presentation from Coach Tucker and the staff. They get to see the facilities. They get to um, just see the campus. They get to take in the environment. They get to kind of project that, oh, if this is how loud the Breslin is and it's only uh, like 20,000 people, imagine the football venue. So just all these different perspectives they get to take into account. And then they get to have their exit meeting with Coach Tucker and uh, it's just a, a well-encompassing kind of weekend where you get to see all these different facets if you're a recruit. But yeah, I mean, I guess any any bigger overall thoughts on the weekend for you before we kind of move into a few specific names we want to highlight in terms of a crystal ball, maybe? I think I think we covered most of them. Uh, Jordan Hall out about NG. I think that's another like upper echelon level four stars. I think there's like a few four stars that are a different type of breed i'd put him up there with andrew and with uh the uh what is the other guy the you know at uh try to think uh i think charles lester the 2024 florida guy uh cornerback down there he's teammates with jaron glover michigan state signee in 22 i think that's uh another one of those uh top names to kind of keep an eye on in the future because he's a 2024 kid uh, Bo Edmondson, the corner, the quarterback out of Texas. I think he was a, a really good player. Obviously, Michigan State's got Dante Moore at the the top of their list, and they're gonna wait and see what he's doing. But Edmondson would be a, a very strong addition to the class too if they went in that direction. But just seems like there's a a lot of uh, positive momentum coming out of this visit weekend. Uh, I know. We expect to see some uh, action from guys that visited this weekend. So yeah, it's a huge successful weekend from the sounds of it. Right. So I guess going from there and just parlaying that into uh, the crystal ball uh, piece that I'll be dropping here on our behalf. So 
for you, it's not a new crystal ball. You've already had this one, but one of the three uh, crystal balls that I have put in uh, is a new one for me. It's Jonathan Slack. And here I know you have some additional insight. I know we've gone back and forth on uh, just how much of a priority he was for Michigan State. Um, and that's kind of why I was holding off, but it was always clear that Michigan State was his favorite school. So I guess before we get to the other two names here out of the three crystal balls, we'll just pause for a second and I'll let you kind of fill in anything you've heard on maybe why uh, we're more comfortable with Slack being a take now and, and how that's kind of shaped our, our at least my recent crystal ball, which you are now solidifying as well. Um, I think the biggest deal is uh, Jonathan Slack. He's uh, 6'3", 280. So for Michigan State and their offensive line, he projects as a center, uh, which is great because you need a center. You're only center really on the the team right now is Nick Samek, uh, and he's got two years of eligibility left, so you need to solidify uh, that position for the future. I think maybe what changed a little as far as Michigan State saying, all right, we, we can take him, we need him, is that uh, they're going to take five offensive linemen in the class of 2023. So that allows uh, Coach Cap to be able to still get the tackle bodies that he needs to add to the class. And then you have a, another interior guy like, uh, get my names mixed up here, Cole Dellinger, I must right. call him his brother's name <laughs> uh, at LSU, uh, right. where he's an interior guy that I know Michigan State likes a lot. So so that just kind of being able to take five offensive linemen creates the flexibility that you can still get what you wanted out of class while adding a guy that projects solely to center. Right. It makes sense that if you are only able to take four, suddenly you might not be as susceptible to taking somebody that can only play one of the five O-line positions. But if you can take five, you can kind of afford to maybe take two tackles, two guards in the center or three tackles, one guard, one center. So it, it definitely makes sense there. And that's kind of the rationale for why I'm now comfortable putting in the pick and why Corey has always had the pick and is also uh, kind of solidifying that. So the other two guys that are in this crystal ball piece, uh, they are the two transfers that I know everyone has been keeping an eye on closely. Uh, Jerk Broussard and Daniel Barker, the tight end from Illinois. So those are two guys that I guess first I want to start with Barker because he's a guy that's a newer name and he's a guy that some people on the board originally were like, why are we going after a tight end? So I guess here's what I will say about this is Jay Johnson is a guy that in his introductory press conference came in and he said, um, tight end is a position that is the MVP of my offense. And uh, when I was watching the full games at Colorado in the season, Jay was there a lot of third and long third and medium kind of pass plays were kind of being thrown to the tight ends, whether it was on an out route, whether it was on a, just a seam route. And then a lot of those things were not options for him at Michigan state. Like Tyler Hunt was fine and he was more than you could have asked for out of him. And he did everything he could to kind of fill that gap. But Michigan state's tight end room was severely lacking and Nexer was not going to be much different other than Malik Carr would have been one more year uh, refined. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can have Carr go from a handful of catches to, I don't know, suddenly having like 40 catches and being one of the co-fixtures in the offense alongside Jaden Reed. So I think if Jay is tired of waiting 
to have a tight end be a fixture in his offense, then you have to go after a guy like Daniel Barker, who holds the Illinois school record for touchdowns by a tight end, someone who was an NFL prospect who just withdrew his name out of the draft, but people feel like he still would have been drafted. So this is a guy that you cannot pass up on if you're Jay Johnson and you truly do feel like tight end is an MVP of your offense and you haven't had that so far. I think this gives a guy like Malik Carr one more year to actually kind of take blocking uh, a little more uh, seriously and and become a more multidimensional tight end and then have a huge year in 2023. And it gives a guy like Jack Nichols some more time to kind of get things um, under wraps and kind of take in the college game and not have to play big minutes as a true freshman. So I think if Michigan State is able to land Barker, that would be a huge pickup, even though I know a lot of people didn't feel that tight end was a huge need to begin with. But if you think about it in regards to being able to unlock a whole new level of offense, I I just don't think that it can be understated how valuable it is. Anything more to add there on Barker, Corey? Yeah, I I think I kind of felt the same. We we talk a lot in the background about moves that we know are happening. And at first I'm like, oh, do we really need a tight end when I'm looking at other spots? And then as I was writing articles on the involvement on Barker, it made me think a little deeper about the tight end position as a whole on the roster right now. And it makes a ton of sense uh, after you do that, because you look at Malik Carr is probably the the most, uh, the biggest impact tight end right. you have on the roster. And I believe he had eight catches for around 200 yards receiving. So that's a, that's leaving the room pretty bare because you don't know what's going on with Tyler Hunt and he wasn't exactly a game changer to begin with anyways. Right. So now you get a guy like Daniel Barker in here. Uh, not only is he going to make a huge impact on the field at a position that you really want to get going, uh, it allows you to do a lot more two tight end set, which is something they like with Malik Carr and you get a, a really good veteran that understands the position really well. And that's going to rub off on guys like Malik Carr and Jack Nicko, Michael Masunas when he gets here. Uh, so that that's valuable in itself. Just what he's going to bring to the younger guys, uh, even without even factoring in how much of a, a impact he'll make as a player on the field. Uh, I mean, he's the leading uh, touchdown leader in Illinois football history for right end. So, I mean, a, a very good pickup for Michigan State. Yeah, and and one of the things people are asking uh, after we kind of reported on Michigan State's interest there is, does this mean that Tyler Hunt's not coming back? Well, I would just say it doesn't really matter because if if Jay didn't like the production he was getting out of the tight ends on the current roster – then I don't think that was something he was taking into account when it came to targeting a tight end. Like fact of the matter is he was, he did not feel that he had a tight end on the roster that could immediately become a fixture in 2022. As a result, he's going out and he's trying to get one. So whether Tyler Hunt is there or is not there next year, I don't think Jay views him as a fixture anyway. So no, this does not imply that Tyler Hunt is not back it really just says that Jay doesn't think he can like be that fixture of the offense um, and kind of just be a reliable guy. You go to third down after third down. And I don't think that there's anyone that would kind of deny that fact. So 
at the end of the day, that would be a, a good pickup for Michigan State. And we're logging in the crystal balls there. And the third, uh, third guy that will be highlighted in this article here is Jarek Broussard. And Jarek Broussard is a guy that also some fans were like, I don't know if we need another running back because we have Jalen Berger. But what I would argue is that when the 2020 Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year is interested in your program and he has a completely different running style than Jalen Berger and uh, the running backs already on the roster, then that is somebody you absolutely should want on your team if you're a Michigan State fan. So, Corey, this time I'll let you go first and kind of give your thoughts on Broussard, um, and then I'll chime in afterwards. Yeah, he's 5'9", under 200 pounds, kind of a a shifty running back, uh, shows really good patience uh, and and runs with power because he's got a strong lower half and uh, runs low to the ground, uh, low man wins, I guess. so he reminds me a lot of Kenneth Walker in those ways. He doesn't have the same top end burst as Kenneth Walker, but if you watch his highlights, he's a guy that's uh, always a threat to make a make a huge play out of it just because of the vision and ability to make guys miss in space. So you get a little bit of that, and you mix it with Jalen Berger, who is more of a a straight power type of running back where he's got the speed to get outside and he can make some guys a miss, but he's not as shifty as, uh, as Broussard. So, so it gives you kind of a different look for the defenses where sometimes when you just need uh, to ram it right up down the defense's throat, that'd be a, a good spot for Berger. And then other defenses, if you've got maybe, some slow ends or the edges aren't as quick for those teams. And that's where a guy like Broussard who can bounce it outside uh, can really uh, take advantage of the weaknesses of the, the defense that you're going. And it just gives the defenses a lot more to prepare for throughout the week when you're game planning to play against Michigan state. Right. And I would, yeah, like you're saying, like he's a guy that's, lower to the ground and he's kind of thinner and he's agile and not a downhill kind of back. And I know the whole time behind the scenes when we were talking about after Berger committed, what kind of additional running back we would think would be a good fit for Michigan state. Um, I always kept saying, I I'm not interested in another downhill back. That's bigger. I, give me a smaller guy that can bounce left or right. So for me, this fits exactly the mold that um, I was saying that Michigan state should try to get with their other running back. And uh, I, if, if he lands at Michigan State, I will go on the record and say that I expect him to have more yards per carry than Jalen Berger. I know we go back and forth on who might be more impactful, but just wanted to put my, my prediction out there on the record. Yeah, definitely. So if, uh, if they definitely get Broussard, uh, Justin and I definitely have a, a side bet going on in the background of who, who leads the team and uh, and and yards and all of that stuff. So, so I, I'm a I'm a pretty big uh, Jalen Berger fan. I, I like Broussard a lot too, and uh, I think we both kind of agree that having both of them is huge for Michigan State, right? Because they got to try and make up for uh, what they're losing with Kenneth Walker, which is yeah 
the best and, running back in the country. <laughs> right. And the thing is, like, even if even if I'm right about Broussard averaging more yards per carry at the end of the day, you can't give him the ball 25 times in a game. So you still need Jalen Berger. Like, it's not like who would you rather have? It's you need both. And then our side bet is just who do we think is going to be slightly more impactful? But I would say that I do think they definitely needed both. And I know that it might not be um, the most positive thing to hear, but I, I'm just not uh, too high on some of the running backs that were currently on the roster. And uh, as a result, I do think they needed to get two running backs that were not already here. And I would expect that those would be the guys that are getting most of the carries here next year if they are able to get Broussard to commit. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, you got some guys that have the experience and they're not going to go down without a fight. Eli Collins, uh, Jordan Simmons. Um, I've heard a lot of positives about uh, 2021 signee, uh, Damian Prim, who redshirted. But for me, you're getting two known commodities uh, that are pretty e- easy to project as being uh, top backs for Michigan State next year. And if they were able to get Broussard, that is, and then adding Barker, if they add him as well, I think the offense has a chance to really uh, be one of the better offenses in the Big Ten and even the country. Uh, the only missing piece, I guess, is I'd like to see an offensive lineman, offensive tackle, maybe two offensive tackles uh, added through the portal if possible just to kind of uh, create some depth at the offensive line because right. it gets pretty thin after Horst and Spencer Brown at exactly. the spots. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be anybody that's like really, really good and that's a bona fide starter because you could make the argument that the starting uh, offensive line is not is not very, very alarmingly um, kind of in need of an, of an upgrade. But what is very alarming is what happens if you name Spencer Brown, your starting right tackle, and he twists an ankle and he misses two games. Like that is, that is very concerning. And, and somebody like Matt Carrick, who's coming back, but we don't know how serious his injury is. We don't know how much he's even going to be able to practice this off season. And you're going to be just expecting him to come in and play at the same level he played at last year, which I don't think it was all American or all conference worthy to begin with. So there, there are some concerns with the starting lineup for sure, but the concerns for the two deep as a whole, I mean, you just need, you just need some more bodies there. And I don't think, I mean, if Michigan State can get someone that's like a bona fide starter, then obviously that's great, but I don't think the fans should be scoffing at anybody that's even a capable backup right now, because you need to be able to have some guys in there that can come in and play if Brown or Horst get injured and without you turning to somebody like a Brandon Baldwin um, or a redshirt freshman and Ethan Boyd, like you need ideally all of those guys to get one more year of not having to play and developing on, on the side before you expect them to kind of play. So yeah, like, like, like what you're saying, they need more offensive linemen and it's okay if they're not starters, they just need some people there, maybe one, ideally two, but yeah, I would say I would say if they get both Broussard and Barker, I would like to see both of those spots being used on an offensive lineman. If if not, if they can only get one that they think is feasible, I'm not opposed to another defensive end. But yeah, I, I would like to see both of those spots used on offensive linemen. Yeah, I think that's the most ideal way to do it. If if assuming you can get two guys that 
can make an impact and right. make your team better. Right. And then I think too, I, I like the offense, uh, as I mentioned. Right. So I think there's going to be some games that they're going to run it up on a few teams. Uh, so that'll allow you to get kind of those uh, Geno Vandermarts and some of the younger guys, some uh, mop-up duty just to get their feet wet. Cause that's true. That's how you want to get them introduced. You don't want to have to throw them into the fire because you have right. no options. Yeah, that's a good point. But I, I guess that about wraps up this episode. Corey, anything else we want to add? Uh, I think we covered it for this one, and I think we can probably throw some more together here soon yep. just to keep you guys updated. Yeah. I guess the, the one other thing we will say is that we expect the defensive line coaching position group to be filled here sometime this next week, uh, like we've said a few days ago on uh, on the board. So uh, also make sure you go ahead and, and subscribe while the 60% off deal is still available. I don't know how much longer that is available. I think just through signing day here in a couple of days, and I don't know when the next deal will be. So with Michigan State having this kind of a run, on recruiting where they've gotten two commits in 2023 and both are four stars. And we're looking at a few more commits here. Uh, three crystal balls just came in another one that Corey is working on trying to identify whether there's anything to monitor with a fourth possible commit. So just tons of momentum, great start to the class by Michigan state. And this, this next week is not going to be the only week that it's going to be this exciting. The next 12 months are going to be like this. So for under $3 and 60 cents a month, I think it's kind of a no brainer for you to kind of go ahead and sign up there. Uh, You can see the link to sign up for this deal with uh, going to the pinned tweet on the Spartan tailgate Twitter account. And uh, I would definitely recommend doing that. And uh, I guess with that, thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time.